You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And this is David's pick. And uh, we've got a special guest on, Chief Warrant Officer for Robert Pennington. And uh, we've we've very fortunate we had uh, Bob on once before, and uh, he was so good we just had to ask him back, and we did, and he uh, agreed to come back. And uh, Bob, welcome back to America's Web Radio. And as I was mentioning to you, we've changed things around just a little bit, not much, but a little bit. And um, we open the show now with our. Memorial to a close friend, my one of my very best friends from college on, and that's J. Roy Ritchie, and he died from, passed away from uh, events caused by Agent Orange, and uh, it uh, it was a, a sad last time. But anyway, we uh, we've decided that uh, our brothers and sisters, and we we dedicated uh, our our home page has a memorial to J. Roy Ritchie, and uh, if you have someone that you want to list, a veteran, doesn't necessarily have to be a veteran, but if you have someone that is in need of prayer from brothers and sisters across the country, uh, all you have to do is fill out the information, and then uh, on our next show and so forth, we'll mention those that person and we had a new one today as a matter of fact uh, he was on yesterday and uh, it uh, is was Lieutenant Colonel William Coleman and he, I said he was on yesterday he was on uh, uh, a veteran's story the other day with uh, Pete Mecca and uh, he's having he's having a bad, battle right now with cancer so as we go into this moment of silence let's uh, Let's just uh, think about Lieutenant Colonel Coleman and the others uh, that we have listed, uh, uh, just a number of, of other folks. And if you have someone, don't hesitate to send their name in, and we'll do just like we're doing right now, and that's listing their names. So we'll, uh, we look forward to hearing from you, and uh, we want you to uh, think about Liston Edge, he was a colonel in the Army. Uh, Peter Manfrey and Larry Kenyon and uh, Joseph Cronin, besides William Coleman. So we'll be back in just one minute. Just take the time to think about our brothers and sisters.
Thank you. Robert, how are you doing this morning? Pretty good, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, it's, it's a pleasure, and um, we wanted to uh, continue our conversation. You spent quite a while in the Middle East. Uh, you want to just give us a, a quick rundown on um, what you were doing in uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and then, uh, then the follow-up. Yeah, sure. I've uh, I've spent uh, almost five years in the Middle East altogether. With, um, of course, actions in uh, in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, um, and then on into Afghanistan, and then back in back to Iraq with uh, about five deployments there. So, and then of course we've had uh, training exercises that we. Uh, I was in uh, Uzbekistan on. Uh, a four-month training exercise there, um, and then multiple classified missions throughout the uh, the Middle East. So, but as far as Desert Storm goes and Desert Shield, I had just finished the Q course, qualification course for Special Forces, and uh, once uh, upon completion, I left and uh, went straight overseas. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and was assigned to one of the teams there, ODA 576, which was um, out of uh, uh, 3rd Battalion Alpha Company. And we were a uh, mobility team. And um, we had teamed up with the the Saudi 20th Brigade and the 6th Kuwaiti Tank Company. And um, actually began training with them and advising them uh, before our push into uh, across the border into uh, Kuwait. Hmm. So quite, uh, uh, you know, quite interesting. You know, you <laughs> you you just graduate the the course, and then the next thing you know, you're going into combat. So it was. Uh, uh, let me ask, how old were you when you were doing all this? I was. Uh, I just turned. 30. Wow. So, okay, so yeah. you were sort of at the top of the list, right? As far as, I, I would assume there were a few younger folks under you. Oh, yeah, easily. The, um, but, you know, going through the, going through the qualification course, there was, uh, of course, you had several guys that were older than me as well, because you get seasoned guys that go through there. Uh, not until later that we we opened it back up to uh, bring in, as we say, people off the streets into the qualification course. You know, they just had to make sure that they that their their scores and their their aptitude was uh, pretty high. Okay, right when you're, when you're talking, is this strictly for uh, warrant officers? Is that what you no, when, you're, when you're saying no. qualification course? Yeah, the qualification course. It's called the Special Forces Qualification Course. Uh, okay, for short, Special Ops. The Q okay. Course. Yeah, and it is strictly to train Green Berets or wannabe Green Berets, soldiers coming in and and wanting to to don the Green Beret and and then of course uh, uh, be placed on teams. 
and throughout be, the uh, and be like birds, jump out of planes and see if things be fly. like birds, jump out of planes. That's right. That's <laughs> uh, you got to you got to volunteer to do that too. So <laughs> you know, we get a we get a lot of guys from the Range Battalion, a lot of guys from the 82nd, the 101st. Um, you know, very few guys from the regular infantry, but we do get them, and um, so. We, you know, I came from the regular infantry at the time. Eleven and Bravo. Time, I was eleven Charlie. I was a mortar. A mortar, yeah. Okay. Well, I was eleven Bravo. There you go. But I had no and desire so, to jump out of a plane. Yeah, but for me, it it helped me because um, I requested to be a weapons sergeant, and so when I went uh, went to uh, weapons training, one of the the main weapons of choice that they wanted us to be proficient on was the mortars. Mm-hmm. So I had a leg up on most people in there anyway. So I actually ended up, you know, getting with some of the guys that came in that, that uh, didn't know too much about mortars, and uh, I would actually give them a few classes myself beyond what the instructors did. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, this is interesting. Um and this this was uh, basically at Benning, or no, no the 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 special course qualification course takes place at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, at oh, okay. uh, Camp McCall, and Camp McCall is actually located outside of Fort Bragg, uh, right on the border, hmm. and um, it is uh, we got it kind of tucked away in an area um, area of land that we can actually, you know, we block it off and then uh, we're isolated so it's better for those guys to come in out there that they have no distractions, none. There's, there's no TVs, nothing like that. They come in, they come in to learn and then uh, give their full focus and then, of course, you know, hope, hope to uh, hope to pass and become Green Berets. Um, my class, when I went through, we had, uh, as when selection took place, which was, you got to be selected first to go into the qualification course, we had about 300, I want to say 330 guys that went through, 335, something like that. And 61 actually was uh, assessed and selected at the end. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's so then you have 61 guys total out of that group of guys that now has to go through the actual qualification course, which is another six, uh, six to 12 months. And uh, upon that graduation, I think we lost probably another 20, 25 guys. So you figure out of 330, we probably had about, 40 guys that made it all the way through. That's that's a bit of attrition, isn't it? Yeah, it, yes, it, it really is. Um, I, I think the uh, attrition numbers, though, now have have become better. Um, uh, I worked out at Camp McCall from uh, zero or from uh, 2012 to 2014. As the the senior warrant officer slash command chief warrant out there, and uh, our numbers were better because I think our training was better. Uh, it, it had gotten better over the years. We 
focused more on, you know, trying to get a quality guy through there. And and more focus was on training more so than a, you know, good luck, do the best you can. And uh, so I think our the attrition rate from nowadays is of around 50% totally, which is which is fantastic. So, but we still have to get we still have to get the troops in from from the regular units and we also got to get them in of course from the uh, as we say the street which we call them 18 x-rays. And uh, to do that, you still have to have guys volunteer to to come in and and make the plunge and uh try to succeed being a green beret so and i bet you, if know. you want adventure and you want the <laughs> and you want the tough you want the tough fight that's it man that's what that's you got to do <laughs> and uh, i bet there is one song that you all knew very well uh the ballad of the green berets yes sir yeah yeah did, did you all I, did, did you all I, hum I, that at night that. as you went to went to sleep What's that? Did you all hum that at night when you went to sleep in the barracks? <laughs> yeah, I can neither confirm or deny that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the when the history of the Green Berets, when that was uh, in what the sixties? Well, it started in uh, nineteen fifty-two. The um, of course we take our lineage from uh, two organizations from the uh, the Black Devils or uh, the the uh, First Special Service Force and also from uh, the OSS which later became the uh, CIA mm-hmm. so those two entities um, that's where we actually get our lineage from and so but we started around 1952 and Aaron Banks Colonel Aaron Banks is considered the father of special forces because he you know he helped the um, organize and uh, divide this unit, and then um, made it what it is today. You know, uh, in 1961, that's when we actually uh, uh, the Green Beret itself was was given to us in a sense, and that was from uh, uh, President John F. Kennedy. He had come to see some training with uh, General Yarborough, and of course General Yarborough was wearing a green beret, which was not at that time. It was, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't uh, a part of the uniform, uh, any part of uniform. So when he saw it, he he liked it, and he said, "Hey, this is I love this headgear. It's very distinctive. Um, I'm going to bless off on you guys wearing this as your 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 regular headgear." So. If you think about it, we are the only we're the only uh, unit that the headgear was blessed off by a president of the United States. That's interesting. We're going to let people think about that as we take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back with Chief Warrant Officers for Bob Pennington right after this. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. 
I would also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And if you hadn't figured it out already, that's today. So warriors, the number four, hope.events. And uh, they've got some absolutely fabulous things they're going to be auctioning off. Uh, Lee Greenwood is involved in it. God bless the USA. And Rocky Blyer is, uh, and I got it from Rocky Blyer that it will only be clean jerseys, but there may be a few dirty old socks with holes in them from Rocky. But from uh, Lee Greenwood, you've got guitars and guitars signed by other other stars besides Lee. And uh, it'll be a fun thing to do at 12 noon today. And uh, we've been looking forward to this uh, for a couple of weeks. And got to know Lee and, and Rocky, and you couldn't find two nicer guys. And the organizations, I don't know... Uh, uh, Bob, if you're familiar with it, but uh, Warriors to Citizens is a transition organization that um, helps people come back from their deployments if they're having problems, like coming back from uh, Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever, and uh, they're having transition problems coming back in as citizens. Uh, this this has been a needed, needed organization for years, and it's been around now for several years, and, and they do a fantastic job. And they teamed with St. Jude's Hospital for this fundraiser, and it ought to be, <laughs> it ought to be classic. So at noon today, go to Warriors, the number four, hope.events, and... Uh, Join in and join in the fun, and you'll have two great guys there. And Lee Greenwood is singing a new rendition of his God Bless the USA. So with that, uh, Bob, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but... Uh, no, and, no, and I was going to tell you, David, yeah, I, I've heard of the organization, but uh, you're right. I, I, met, uh, I met Lee Greenwood in, uh, at the Bristol car race back in 2018. And uh, he was he was phenomenal. He was such a nice guy, great guy. Um, he sang the, uh, of course, God Bless America, and um, and uh, of course his song. And um, then we we actually did uh, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. So it was uh, it was an honor to meet him, uh, meet some of the other guys there. They were. Uh, fantastic people the uh, I, it's amazing how much the um, you know the, the NASCAR does for for the military they're they're pretty stand-up people pretty stand-up a group of, of uh, or a group uh, organization that does well for all of us so you know I, I salute him as always well you know both uh Lee and and Rocky, uh, they don't. They not only talk the talk, but they walk the walk, and that that's the difference in in 
greatness, and uh, both of them are just honorable gentlemen, and it should be fun today at noon on uh, at the website warriorsforhope.events, and uh, you can bet on guitars, uh, uh, socks well, that have, have holes in them. And well, I've not met Rocky before, but uh, you know he has a he he had a great career in football, but uh, you know. After he, he was wounded in Vietnam and got yeah. and, and and received some wounds that they thought he would never play again. So right. he uh, that guy he had damage to his the nerves in his right foot from a yeah. uh, from a uh, grenade going off and uh, that's he, correct. He uh, he just said, "I never will si- stop." And uh, uh, while he was recovering, um, he got a card. In the mail from uh, Rooney, the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and said, "We're not doing too good this season. We really need you back." And that was yeah. his. In, that was his uh, inspiration to. Uh, okay, I'm oh, yeah. some way. I'm going to come back, and he did. Yeah, that's 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 a good mo- motivational uh, card right there. Yeah, and uh, you know he uh, after he came back, uh, he won. They won uh, four Super Bowl rings, and when we've had him on the air and love talking to Rocky, he's so funny and and just uh, just such a good guy. But we'll kid about uh, Terry Bradshaw and what it was like to be in the locker room with him. And like Rocky said, uh, Bradshaw is one that that he would walk in the same room with Bradshaw and just start laughing. That he, Bradshaw didn't have to say a thing. He just he'd just walk in the room and start laughing and. Uh, so we're going to, by the way, we're going to have Rocky on many times in the future. And um, he's uh, he's just a super, super guy. And he'll be there today. He's one of the hosts of warriorsforhope.events today at 12 o'clock. So get on your computer and go to it, and you'll be giving to two fantastic organizations. So let's get back to uh, Chief Warrant Officer for Bob Pennington, and um, how, you know, we had, uh, we were talking the other day about the military and so forth, and and would you, would you say that your career in the military was a learning experience? Oh, yeah, definitely, and, and um, like the organization you just spoke of, you know, our big thing is, is is the transition piece from the military back to the the civilian world and to me it, it was it, it was a it was a little easier i thought because i learned so much in the military it was a it was a foundation that i had uh, that i had built upon as a as a young you know as a young man growing up you learn a lot of things, but you learn more about yourself in the military, in my opinion, um, especially especially in special forces because the teams are so close. Uh, you know, you have, you've got the 12-man team, and you become brothers. And because of that, you know, you you, you build experience, you build uh, you build a, uh, a strong foundation. Um, the teams, the individuals on the teams, they become planners, organizers. They coordinate uh, many pieces for uh, 
for training or for combat. And so those things, those things apply to the uh, the civilian world once you you know once you once you leave it you just have to focus though and and look at what you want to become and and uh, and take those you know those necessary strives to to complete the things that will will better yourself i know we got a lot of guys that you know they transition out and they get in this funk a lot of them just because they it's not necessarily they miss the military but they miss the guys you know that camaraderie sense and mm-hmm. they, they uh, and it, it they kind of lose focus but they you know they you can still reach out there's there's those organizations out there that can help you through those you know like the one you spoke of and uh, they can put you on the right track and the other uh, service organizations like VFW and and American Legion and so forth and so on, where, you know, I've been very, very blessed that uh, gentlemen like you will talk to me, and it's only because of <laughs> I'm a Vietnam veteran era, and uh, but at least I I raise my hand, and, and a lot of times uh, people coming home, they really don't have anybody that they can talk to about the circumstances that they've gone through and the situations that they've gone through. And so they keep a, a bottled up bomb yeah. ready to explode. And and once they're with other, other people that have done what they've done, walked in their shoes, then they can open up and relieve the pressure in that bottle. And so oh, speaking of bottles... I believe you have something to do with a few bottles. Of course, absolutely, <laughs> and um, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, and that was a good transition piece for us, and that was to uh, to, to to develop and produce uh, whiskey, and uh, we call it Horse Soldier Bourbon, and uh, it is probably one of the fastest selling whiskeys out there right now. Hopefully, uh, you know, one day we'll be in all the 50 states. But uh, we're rising up, pretty, and we're doing pretty well. Um, we're starting to uh, work on a, uh, a second distillery in uh, the great state of Kentucky. And uh, hopefully and we'll be on the bourbon trail, of course, and, and hopefully we can get that moving uh, pretty soon. And... Um, and then again, reach out to other states. But the bourbon itself is uh, it's fantastic, and uh, I think we're going to work on a couple of more cases. Um, you know, the, the the there's many things that make a good bourbon, and one of them is, of course, the the cask, the barrel itself, and putting it in there. And so we're looking at maybe doing the double cask, where you put it in one type of barrel, like oak, and then you move it into a a port barrel or a wine barrel and finish it off, hmm. things like that. So those are things that we're looking forward to in the future, just That's to cool. give us that, you know, that real, real fine taste. Okay, so and, uh, I know I know where the the name came, um, Horse Soldier, but why were you all called Horse Soldiers in, was it Iraq or? That was Afghanistan. We Afghanistan. were the... Uh, we were the first team on the ground in Afghanistan, 
and uh, we linked up with uh, an Afghan uh, militia commander. His name was General Rashid Dostum. And uh, if you watch the movie Twelve Strong, they they have there's a good portrayal of him. Um, the guy who plays my character, uh, Michael Shannon, uh, did a phenomenal job. But um, we were the first guys on the on the ground, and when we got there, you know, we we asked our commander, um, hey, our General Dostum, hey, what type of <laughs> what type of trans transportation means do you have for us? we got to maneuver around the battlefield. He said, well, all I have is horses. Of course, we all look at each other and most of us hadn't ridden since we were kids. And we had uh, uh, Mark Nooch, who was the commander. I was the deputy commander at the time. He had uh, he had uh, excelled in horse riding enough to where he uh, rode in college. And in some of the uh, the rodeos around the country, so he, he. Luckily for us, he he wasn't a novice, and he was one of the guys who was well trained, so he could pass on some SOPs for us <laughs> to better ourselves while we were riding. <laughs> now, did you uh, did you all carry your saber with you, or wear your saber with you? No, no, but I, I did wear my spurs. <laughs> well, I had a little training out in Texas riding, and uh, Texas and New Mexico, and I, I love riding, particularly on a as a, as it's cooling down from a hundred degrees, and it's and the sun's setting, and it's dropped down to maybe eighty, seventy five, eighty degrees, and uh, I could stay on the horse forever. I think. You know, Dave, it's it's amazing how many muscles you actually use controlling and staying on the horse. Yeah. You, you know, and people don't realize it. And um, that's when I, I really blew out my back riding horses because uh, in Afghanistan, just, be, just because of that. It wasn't that I wasn't in shape. I just wasn't used to long hours in the saddle because we rode for hours on end to get from point A to point B. So... It is, it is difficult. It is hard, and if you haven't done it, you know, you, you had best keep the uh, the mileage or the hours down. <laughs> and get used to it. And the, you and know the, what I'm talking about, don't you? And the Vaseline handy. Yeah. <laughs> some some things can get chapped rather easily. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, then it, that's why cowboys walk funny, you know. Yeah, and, and I tell you, the the roughest ride actually was it, uh, uphill wasn't as bad, but coming Downhill? down the hill, yeah. yeah, you had to kind of lean back a little to keep your uh, to keep the balance. But as you're leaning back, you're still squeezing the, you know, using yep. your legs to squeeze the horse to stay on. And I tell you what, that that. Uh, that took its toll on on everybody. Actually, let me ask: Were you using uh, Western saddles, or no? We were using uh, we were using the Afghan saddles, and the uh, the Afghan saddles, the way they're constructed is they use this. Uh, it, it looked like hickory, and they form this frame like a saddle, and uh, then they tack on wool carpet on these frames 
and that's actually their saddle. Yeah, they they pad it up a little, but in the end, that's that's tough. That's where Um, you got it, was in the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You know, how how long did you do that? Uh, Well, we hit the ground. Uh, We went in uh, October 19th. That was our D-Day, 2001. And uh, the next day, we started riding on the 20th with with, uh, General Dostum. And uh, we sent half the team with him, and the other half, which was commanded by me, uh, we had some drops that were coming in for resupplies because we couldn't carry all the equipment with us uh, on the uh, CH-47s. They were, it was just it was too heavy trying to get over the mountains. So we stayed back, received a couple of drops, and then we moved forward on horses. And we didn't stop riding horses until... I want to say it was 11 November, 10, 11 November, hmm. right around there. So quite a bit. And again, like I said, they were we were either traveling by foot or we were traveling by horse. And uh, the horse movements could be up to 12 hours wow. in a day. Yeah. That's, so. that's a lot of riding. We used to... Uh uh, my uncle had a, a big ranch out in New Mexico, and I spent many summers there riding. And we'd work the riverbed, and we'd we'd leave it with the Dodge Power Wagon and trailer, and we'd trailer our horses out uh, towards the river, and then uh, we'd we'd get to, we'd start riding about um, oh six or six thirty, and break for lunch about eleven thirty, and then keep riding until till it got dark or close to dark and wow. uh, yeah it was um <laughs> yes there were there were parts that were extremely sore until you got used to it and uh and that took yeah. that took a couple of weeks you know and you know the and the horses that we rode we of course we had to get them from someone so we got them from some of the afghan uh riders and they they had to give up their horse so we could maneuver around it, and that way we could advise the other subcommanders along with uh, General Dostum. But those guys that gave up their horses would take care of the horse for us. They they didn't want us to to do that because they were so accustomed to their own horse. You know, they knew what to do. They mm-hmm. you know rub them down, feed them, uh, take care of them, get them ready for for the next battle if, if possible because we even had cavalry charges where they actually, you know, as we call in close air support, it was like a coordinated attack and the the Afghan cavalry would charge uh, on completion of the uh, uh, the bombings. But even with the, with the bombs in air and hmm. coming down, they would still be on a gallop heading towards the enemy. So, you know, they had to really take care of these horses. I was amazed at how well they were trained. They were so, they were so uh, 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 in tune with the, the bombings and the bullets that were going around them that they, they weren't as spooked as I thought. Yeah, now, I they were still wild horses. But, you know, you know, like I do, you know, it's you can spook a horse oh, yeah. and it's... Yeah, but it takes a, a lot. 
It's off to the rodeo if you get one spook, too. Yeah, exactly. So it was, um, I was amazed at how, you know, how well these horses did during, (laughs) with bullets flying all around their heads. (laughs) Did did you uh, generally have the same horse every day, or? No, and that was bad, too. And and you know that as well. It's if it's once you get into a horse, you you'd like to keep that same horse. You can get accustomed to it, unless it is a bad horse. And there, are, you know, there are some wild ones. But you'd like to get a, a a good horse that you're accustomed to and continue to keep that horse. That way, at least you know it's it, it you're more comfortable with it, and you know how to read it read that mm-hmm. horse and what that horse's next movements are going to be and vice spooks, versa spook. yeah exactly but we weren't we weren't fortunate enough to have that each each day was a different horse wow so that was that was kind of troublesome so were the stirrups pretty much like a western saddle stirrup or they were uh, as i remember they were uh, they were a steel Steel stirrup. Um, the the foot placement was uh, a round piece of steel. Uh, the, all the stirrups were very short because the Afghans were very short. Hmm. So, and a lot of them were broken. So, what we did is we would take five fifty cord, which is used on uh, parachutes, and uh, as we would get these drops that would come in. And we would we would take the the parachutes and and cut them up and cut up the the, uh, the some of the lashing and some of the five fifty cord and we would use that to extend the stirrups wow. so it, it would accommodate a guy like me who's six two you know weighs you know at, with all my gear I was probably about two two eighty that's without the rucksack wow. so we we did a lot of repairing. Um, you know, you learn a lot of stuff on the fly about doing that too, and what what works and what doesn't work. How you tie down your radio, you know, where do you put your weapon, um, uh, where do you put your little uh, salt uh, bag, and and how you position it on the horse where the horse is actually comfortable as well. So we learned a, we learned a lot on the fly, but but it did pay off in the end. Just you know. Once someone would learn something and say, "Hey, this this is working pretty good," the others would go, "Okay, let me let me do that as well." And so it's kind of kind of like building building SOPs, you know, from combat experience, but still on the go. You know, Bob, uh, and I, I've mentioned this uh, many times. Seldom do I have someone like yourself on that I don't learn something that I'd never heard of or didn't know at all. And this is this is something, and I'm going to preach to you and preach to everybody else that's listening for a second. You now have the responsibility of being our history books because what's coming out as a history book in our school systems is a joke. And I don't know anything about you personally, but... You know, whether it's your kids or your grandkids or whatever the circumstance is, put them up on your lap and tell them about this. Tell them about the the horse soldiers of the twenty of the 
2020s or whenever it was or 2018 or 2016, whatever. But you are our history books today, and it won't be written up for tomorrow, and nobody will ever know about it unless you do that. And not only will you entertain those young kids, but they will remember it forever and pass it on to their kids. That Well, you know, I hope some of the – and I appreciate that, Dave. Thanks a lot. I hope some of these, uh, you know, these young people that are that are listening to the radio right now, listening listening to us, and um, you know they they look at this as an adventure, and maybe it spurs them to take their own adventure to, to join up and, and do something that uh, you know that will last a lifetime. Something they'll you know they they'll feel proud to talk about. You know, serving in the military. And, um, you know, maybe they'll do better things than I did or, uh, you know, and, and they're going to meet new people, uh, build a family inside the military as beyond, you know, their own family. And, uh, for me, like I said, it was, it was fantastic. Oh, we just, you know, we're, we're still working on our book, uh, Mark and I. And uh, we're we're done now. It's completed. It's with the, the author, who is uh, Jim DeFelice, who wrote American Sniper, and he's cleaning it up now and getting ready to uh, to send it off to uh, DOD so they can, you know, they can have their final look and make sure that uh, our book is in uh, good shape. Oh, but it covers the, the the entire campaign of uh, of Afghanistan on those early days after the nine eleven attacks. Wow. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> the one thing that you have in common with the DOD and, and many of the folks in, in D.C. is I'm sure with those horses uh, you learned how to shovel it. <laughs> Come on, Dave. Say it isn't so now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What we're going to do right now is take uh, one more little break and remind everybody that Today is the day, Warriors, the number four, hope.events. And you've got Lee Greenwood, Rocky Blyer, and some other folks that are going to do one heck of a job at noon. So be sure and tune in, and we're going to hear from uh, Lee Greenwood right now. Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register and donate to support our cause.
You're listening to America's Web Radio, and we've got Roy Rogers. No, I'm sorry, Bob Pennington on. I, I got all confused. Yeah, I, I pulled a, uh, I pulled a Biden and uh, called you Roy Rogers. But uh, being a horse soldier, I guess that that would be in common. And uh, you know, you know what I, I think is so neat. And you you said something a minute ago that sort of rang the bell. But our military is the most incredible organization in the world. And we have, without question, we have some of the best people ever in our military. And, you know, to adapt to a situation, had you ever ridden before or done much riding? Well, like I said, as a, as a kid, I rode here and there. I always, I always throw out the joke about the, uh, you know, when I'm in the, uh, I'm out on the in an auditorium and I'm talking to four or five hundred people. You know, I tell them I had quarter horse training, and they kind of just look at me, and you know, it's, it, I say it in a serious tone, and then, and then I come back with, you know, where you throw a quarter down in the old the horse in front of Walmart, and you ride that <laughs> little guy, and then of course. I get laughs for for at least five minutes. So, and then people come up to me later on, and you know they ask me about that. They say, well, was, "Was that really the only, you know, you know, only the only, the only horse training you ever got?" And I said, "Well, you know, I did that, and of course I rode a horse here and there." I said, "But it doesn't matter when you when you're a kid and you ride a horse, and then you you don't do it for a while. It is." Uh, yeah, it's pretty hard on the body, especially as you get older. Yeah. <laughs> I said it, it wasn't too comfortable at the time. I said because I was I actually during that combat time I was uh I was 40. 41. So wow. okay. I was uh pretty seasoned and about that time, you know, your your body starts to feel the effects of getting bounced around a little. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and uh, my point being is that you all adapted. And the military, you know, I've told this story many times, and you you may have a story like it. When I was going through basic and AIT and was a college graduate and and going through, and you'd say, why in the world are we doing something like this? This is about as stupid as you can get. And I'll have flashbacks now that – I realized there was a reason for it. And yeah. I, when I say flashbacks, I'm just thinking about, you know, when I was going through training and stuff and say, you know, now I understand why we did that. And the military is so adaptable and so trained, you know, it, it may look like horrendous repetition on one side, but those guys that are doing it, They've had lots of experience in 200 and some odd years of forming the best military in the world. They know what they're doing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, like I said, it was uh, it, it's helped me through my lifetime. And uh, I, I'm very appreciative of my time in the service. I think you hit it earlier, though, when you said, you know, when you, the, the transition piece, that, that's something that... I believe the military needs to work on a little more, and that is, you know, take care of these guys once they, uh, you know, don't just cut them loose. You know, they have some programs in place, but 
it's almost like we need to follow a soldier once he gets out, uh, <laughs> not just... You, you know what I'm saying? Not just cut him off. But. You know they 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 know what to do with with you when you walk in. They just don't know yeah. what you what to do with you when you walk out. That's right. So there there needs to be a I think a a better transitional piece that stays with you and can can advise and help you throughout your time. Uh, sure, there's a there's a time when you're just going to say you know I'm good now, but even that you know when you something that you can reach back to and say hey you know i've uh this is where i'm at now with my business uh i'm doing pretty well you got any suggestions you have any help and have have those experts out there that can that can uh not hold our hands but help lead us through problem areas mm-hmm. and, and guide us through that and so because it's it is a rough transition from the military to the civilian especially if you if, taken a lot of time and gone through um, uh, multiple combat ex- uh, experiences and difficult training. Um, so th- those things, they stay focused in our heads. They're very vivid. And so th- you need something that will help you, guide you through that process of transitioning through and then into the business world so you could be successful. Those are the things I think we need to continue to focus on. So I'm assuming those guys at that... that uh, Yeah, Warriors to Citizens. Yeah. yeah. And they that do... organization you just talked about, they they do that. They will help and assist those guys for, uh, for years to come out of the military once they get out. And, and one of the important things is to uh, make sure they get a uh, bottle of... of um, Horse sh- soldier, right? Is that? Yes, horse soldier. Yeah, of course they need it. Uh, it'll, <laughs> no, a, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that'll help in the transition every time. But it, well, it all it well, it helps me. Now, I'm going to have to find moderation, out. David. Moderation, moderation. absolutely. And uh, I'm going to have to hopefully uh, one of the liquor stores down here in in uh, Georgia has your all's product. Well, it does. We don't have it in Georgia yet, uh, but I got some news um, at the end of last year, the late December time frame, that uh, we are looking at opening uh, our uh, pushing our our brand, our horse soldier brand, throughout Georgia. So uh, hopefully that happens this year. Um, well, I know where you could advertise. Oh, I yeah, you know. Absolutely, I appreciate that too. <laughs> but anyway, back to back to uh, soldiering, and oh, that's another question I got to ask. Now, you know, Western, and that's all I ever rode was Western. So, and you're talking about a round stirrup, sort of. So, would you wear combat boots with and using the the round stirrup, or did? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's all we had. It was uh, was our combat boots. Um, it, they, and the thing about those combat boots is they're, they're really kind of slick on the bottom, the desert boots. So you really got to hold your legs in there or your, your feet in that those stirrups. Um, they would slide out. Hmm. Uh, there was, I wish there was times, you know, where we had better boots for that. Or even we, we tried to get saddles brought in on us. Mm-hmm. And uh, evidently that was a difficult task because they never showed up. And when they did show up, 
we were already done with combat operations. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, why does that figure? Like, yeah, what's that? Why does that figure? Yeah, uh, that, I, I tell you what, it was uh, just because of those those saddles themselves. You know, we wanted we needed something more comfortable, something and something more usable. And uh, again, we it was it was funny though because we had uh, and you know this this always happens anyways through logistics. You know, you you say, well, I need saddles, and the question comes back, well, why? Well, I'm riding horses. <laughs> well, why are you doing that? <laughs> I'm like, look, just send me saddles. <laughs> just want saddles. <laughs> I, I I've been sitting here. Just thinking about riding a horse on a wool blanket, on a wool piece of oh carpet. My God. Oh, yeah. Why? Why didn't you just give up the sad or give up their saddle and just put sandpaper on it? <laughs> it would. It would probably be the same. You're right. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mentioned that once. I said, "Would it, would it be easier riding bareback?" <laughs> and of course. Of course, Mark goes. Uh, well, no, we, we need something, and here's why we need here's why we need the saddles. I said, okay, I got it. it. Makes sense. So it's actually not only is the saddle good, it's supposed to be good for us. It's good for the horse as well. So, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was an experience. But again, like you said, we had, we adapted, we overcame, we succeeded, mm-hmm. and we and uh, you know the army. The Army taught us, you know, to do those things. Uh, and, uh, again, it's it's helped me through my life the same way. Always adapt, overcome, uh, succeed. You know, so. I, those horses had to be very well trained to put up with the shelling and the, and the uh, rifle fire and all this. Did they ever – I've had a horse spook uh, with a truck – did they ever spook with any of the heavy equipment or anything? You know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't remember that. I do remember my horse got spooked a couple of times going down the ridge, which was uh, uh, three, four thousand feet high, <laughs> and coming down. He that seemed to bother him. I think it's because, again, you know, you, you know, riding a horse down. You're actually kind of you're leaning back, like I stated earlier. Mm-hmm. So that because I was so heavy, that may have uh, really affected that horse. And uh, he tried to buck me a couple of times on that ridge, and uh, which was pretty dangerous. That was a long drop. I, and you, and you didn't that, have your shoot on, huh? No, no shoots mm-hmm. at that time. So uh, <laughs> and no. Yeah, and no reserve either. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was on my own. Oh, that uh, I can just sort of see that in my mind's eye, you know, and I that would not be where I'd want to be. But you know, I, yeah. I think this is this has been a great show because there are just so many people, and myself included. I, I've learned a lot today on that uh, we. We had horse soldiers in Afghanistan. That's 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 fantastic. And uh, well, I appreciate it, Dave. Yeah, it was a good conversation. I enjoyed it myself. You know, um, yeah. You know, you and I talked at the break, and uh, you said you had started early, but uh, riding horses. But 
you know, you, you don't do it. You don't do it anymore. But I tell you what, it's like again, like I said, as you get older, it's harder when you're older. Oh yeah, and, uh, <laughs> there are a lot yeah, of things that I, are, except for a few. Yeah, and I, you know, I've had opportunities where, you know, people would come up and say, "Hey, can you come to my ranch? Uh, we're going to ride horses like all day." And you know, I'll, yeah, I'll come to your ranch maybe and maybe brush some of the horses, but uh, my my. 12 hours of riding. Well, that's done. <laughs> <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, I'd probably be in a, a million pieces if I rode 12 hours <laughs> yeah. by the time I got off, you know. But, no, I, I it's, uh, for the, for folks, you know, it, it, a lot of folks haven't experienced a lot of things. Everybody should experience being in the military, in my opinion. And uh, like, the other too. thing is yeah. riding, you know, if, if they've never ridden, and uh, and not just not not just this thing of going to where they lead the horse around a trail and the horse knows yeah. the trail better than but you know it's uh, I was very blessed and uh, my uncle owned a super big ranch in New Mexico and I'd go over there and and experience what he experienced that's all he ever wanted to do was be a rancher and. Uh, he was fortunate enough to uh, buy, and you can look at look it up on the web. As a matter of fact, the Bell Ranch in uh, near Tucumcari, New Mexico, and oh, that this, this is he bought. He had a bunch of land, but part of his land. If you ever, I don't know about you, but I love westerns. I watch western repeats every single oh, yeah. day, and every now and then they'll. Well, the troops are coming from Fort Bascom. Okay, he owned Fort Bascom, and that was a wow. that was a fort in New Mexico uh, back at the turn of the century. Wow, yeah, you know, David, talking about that, I went to uh, I went to uh, Texas last year, uh, early December, and uh, of course we were we were talking about our whiskey there, the horse soldier bourbon whiskey, mm-hmm. and uh, I. Uh, I saw the John Wayne Museum there. Well, it was just put in place. And uh, I went in there and met um, John Wayne's granddaughter. And uh, we spoke for a long time. Uh, she, of course, you know, her, her dad loved the Green Berets because he made the movie The Green Berets. Sure. And, uh, yeah, so she she actually walked us around the museum and, and showed us many, many of the, the artifacts that they have that uh, uh, relate back to John Wayne and, you know, uh, uh, it's amazing Bob, how many Bob, questions he did. Bob, I'm going to have to cut it off. We've run out of time. But uh, it, we'll be back uh, with more uh, other shows after this. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.